Welcome to Art Biz Talk, where we speak to visual artists and art professionals about creative entrepreneurship and give you the behind-the-scenes experience of how they've built their art business. Brad Brett is a self-taught abstract expressionist painter from Israel, now living in Cascais, Portugal. Her style, materials, and process are pure reflection of growing up next to the Mediterranean Sea and her life today near the Atlantic Ocean, which both remain a big source of her inspiration. In this episode, Vered opens up about her life journey, switching careers, and moving countries to live her dream. Here's my conversation with Vered. Hey, Vered. Uh, thanks for being on Artbiz Talk. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and let us know where you're coming in from and share something about your background. Hi, Andrea, thanks for having me. Yes. Um, so I'm in Portugal and I'm a self-taught abstract painter. Mm -hmm. I'm originally from Israel. Um, I've been living in Portugal for two and a half years now mm -hmm. and loving it, loving it. Um, and I paint, um, I paint on paper and canvas, uh, mainly with acrylic paint. My studio is in my um, new house in mm -hmm. in, in Montreal. That's the area. We get, and that's um, by Cascais, right? That's outside yes, exactly. Lisbon? Just outside okay. Lisbon. Yes. Yeah. Love that area. Right on the coast. Yes. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites, I must say. Yes, it's so great to meet people who visited Cascais because it's. Yeah. Rarely people don't know where I am okay. from. Yes. Um, There's some good bakeries in town, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, Portuguese that's... bakeries in general are ridiculously good. So if you ever go to Portugal, you have to go to the bakeries. Yes, for sure. Yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, how long have you been an artist? So I've been an artist for, where are we now? Uh, two, in, two years, yeah. Two years? Roughly. Okay, yes. and what did you do before being an artist? So I had a career, um, geez, it makes me sound old now. <laughs> I'm certain I'm older than you, so don't worry. <laughs> so I'll start with a career. I had a career in marketing and business development um, mm -hmm. back in Israel and then moved to London. So it continued there in the UK. Um, and funnily enough, that was in renewable energy, which I would never imagine I have anything to do with. Very um, interesting. Yes. So that happened. Um, and after moving to the UK and having my son uh, five years ago, I decided not to go back to my usual office job. Uh, I didn't want to spend time with him and to really mm -hmm. dedicate, you know, my my time to to him. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, then into motherhood, uh, and and I would say I call it always you know there's a period of isolation right from mm -hmm. from society really. Mm -hmm. um, I started wondering about okay where is my life going now? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Motherhood didn't feel like it's enough, you know, to fulfill my my soul, um, and I wanted more and and there was a search a great search that just increased all the time as time passed about trying to understand what I'm, what would really make me happy what is it that i'm looking for mm -hmm. and why am i looking for something also uh yeah. why is it's being a mom not enough mm -hmm. um and i have to say that this is a search that started way way before becoming right. a mom it was yes. uh, it was rooted, you know, probably since I started working, maybe since I started actually university and thinking about what am I doing here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, wondering about my existence in the world. Sure. Um, and it was always, it was just this voice that was always kind of popping out saying, hey, are you happy? I don't think you're happy in this office job and this career you think, you know, mm -hmm. is fancy enough for you. So, um I would always quiet that voice and kind of I would look outside right externally and think what is it that I need I need more I need you know maybe I'll move up in the ladder of corporate and mm -hmm. um, and get more qualifications and things like that but that never obviously addressed the the root of mm -hmm. that lack of happiness mm -hmm. um <clears throat> 
And being in motherhood allowed me a lot of time to be with myself. Um, and then moving to, to Portugal was kind of when everything shifted. Um, is your, is your husband British? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you guys moved to Portugal for fun? Uh, after <laughs> I live, I've lived in the UK for seven years and he's my witness and everyone who knows me knows that I've been moaning about the weather in the UK every yes. single I mean day. I think we all know it's nothing like Israel exactly which has fantastic weather uh, yeah <laughs> everyone who lives in the UK knows it so yes but I just couldn't tell I couldn't tolerate it it was so yeah. unbearable um mm -hmm. And especially it was it was magnified when Romy was born, my son, because, mm -hmm. you know, you want to go out and just have like, I don't know, just live like outdoors sometimes yeah. um, the way I grew up. Mm -hmm. And it's not possible so much in the UK. So, so yeah, <laughs> we decided to find a much healthier place for us to to live, to grow as a family. Mm -hmm. um, Portugal became an opportunity for us. Um, so we came once to Lisbon and and during that trip we came just for a short visit to Kishkaish and we just fell in love and we said yes we're moving here great um we found a flat remotely like online and and moved everything the on the last day of Brexit before Brexit kicked in oh we, wow <laughs> we were on the plane yeah. you were that's good so wow. Because nobody, we thought we will move later, but nobody thought Brexit would actually happen in the right. UK, uh, yes. as you know. Yes. And then uh, when we realized it's happening, so we had to pack our stuff faster and just mm -hmm. get out. For mm -hmm. um, just a bunch of logistical, you know, immigration kind of reasons. Yes. And um, I know Portugal was offering some um, opportunities for expats, um, especially yeah. ones that had certain types of work or wanted to have a business or wanted to buy a home. Because I was actually living in Spain at the time. And yeah. Portugal, Portugal, Spain and Australia were on my top places to live after I had um uh, visited each of those countries during my one year of travel in 2015 yeah. so uh yeah I, I should have gone to Portugal but I do really love Porto and that was yes. a great flight from Barcelona I loved my time in Barcelona but I I the Portuguese people are are quite lovely too and the food's good they are they are they are I mean there's <laughs> nothing really that I can complain about here yeah yes. bureaucracy is slow but you Sometimes, know bureaucracy yeah. not slow yes uh, so that's the only thing people always uh, complain about, but it's great. Yeah. And yeah, you should come back. I, I will come back. And, you know, I, I did actually attend when I was still working more heavily in design. I came in for a couple of conferences at different times. They have a big uh, design slash tech, actually more of a tech conference that has a creative leg to it. Um, I think it's typically like the first week of November Web Summit um, that draws a lot of international people. It's a very, very big um uh, conference so I I would then always take the opportunity to take the train up to Porto or like I spent uh, uh, a few days on the coast in a small B&B &B in Cascais and it, it explored the town I know I totally say it's slightly wrong but whatever Cascais. you know what I mean yeah. what yeah. how do you say it again I say Cascais but Cascais. I've heard it's okay I, I say it slightly yeah, wrong. whatever I'm sure you're right since you live there but <laughs> <laughs> all of our portuguese listeners can correct us yes true. anyway so, yeah so you're right yeah. opportunities here for tax as well so that was what yes. my husband was kind of drawn to mm -hmm. for me i was ready to just get out just yes. to leave the UK. and have some time although yeah. I, you know i if i remember correctly that region um actually has a lot of rain and clouds because it's where the two seas meet there's a lot of um surfing competitions kind of around the corner and so it actually does make for some pretty incredible weather yes so just up so between here Kishkaj, there there's a place called sintra maybe that's right. one of your that's on the mountains yeah and it's not cloudy there yeah sintra um, i remember but this is on a coast but just around the bend of where you live um, right. I don't remember the exact beaches, but I'm sure you could look it up. Uh, yeah, it's well Ginto, Ginto is famous for probably, yeah, uh, yeah. But there are many, yeah. Nazareth yeah. is the one with the high waves, the tsunami, like yes, really, really big. Well, but very you're right. Yeah, there's a quite a variety of of landscapes and climate here, so yes. it's wonderful. 
Yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad you have found a place where you feel the weather is help helps you as a person. I can fully relate to that. I've lived in climates where it was mostly gray or rainy for a period of time or quite cold. And I actually mm -hmm. learned having lived in some of these places for many years when I went to travel and then having lived in Spain, even though I lived in Northern Spain, which had some cooler weather at times, I really need sunshine. And so yeah. it's gray uh, or rainy for more than a few days. I'm like, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> I need the sunshine. Yeah. So yeah. sunshine is medicine. It's, and that and, describes yeah, my experience in the UK. Yeah. All right. Well, I I looked at your website recently and you have a quote there that I thought was um, interesting and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how, what that means to you. So I'm going to read it for our listeners. It says, there are no rules. That is how art is born, how breakthrough happens. Go against the rules, ignore the rules. That's what invention is all about by Henk uh, Helen Frankenthaler. Yes. How, how did that inspire you and how are you applying the no rules to uh to running your art practice right uh yes helen helen is my hero and i love ty is the one who actually introduced well i've never heard of helen until i met ty my mentor yes uh, that you know of course yeah ty Nader um, clark who we've had on the show before and is a fantastic artist and mentor yes an amazing person mm -hmm. um so Helen, um, so that quote, yeah, Helen, really when I read it, it just clicked with, with everything that I think my art is about today and also how I grew up, which is linked, of course, to what I do today. So I grew up in a, in a religious household in Israel. Um, which meant, if anyone doesn't know about Judaism, you have basically thousands of rules from right. the second you wake up in the morning until you <laughs> go to bed at night. So your day is quite dictated for you. Mm -hmm. So um, there's little room for, you know, mistakes, mm -hmm. uh, creation, mm -hmm. or being creative, um, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So this is how I grew up, and I... I did not like it and it didn't fit who I am I think as a person I think there's a little rebel inside me that has to I call it rebel but really really it's a curious person who wants to understand yeah. what mm -hmm. they do why they do it I can't I was never good with like you know just taking um instructions or rules and following it blindly yeah I can relate to that so I mean it's quite ironic when you're born into a religious <laughs> family in Europe. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe it makes life more interesting. But um, so for me, I grew up like that. And there was um, a, sh a change when I started questioning everything that I was, um, I don't want to say forced, but everything I was raised to believe in and, you yeah. know, all those beliefs and stories and everything that was surrounding me the community mm -hmm. going to the synagogue all that stuff mm -hmm. I never understood what I why I'm doing this except for the fact that my mom and dad told me to do it mm -hmm. and I remember when I started questioning this uh all the doors were shut mm -hmm. because nobody would would want to entertain um you know the questioning mm -hmm. uh, in itself and nobody had answers to give me for well, my difficult yeah. question yeah um so so there was a lot of anger from my parents from my teachers um which led to a great frustration I think for me and even more confusion mm. because you know you start asking questions because you are confused and you don't understand things yes. and you, you come from this curious exploratory space where you want to understand the why behind things and then be able to make your own choice right but it doesn't exactly. sound like that was available to you. No, and it's it's very strange because in Judaism they always um, say that it's the one religion that encourages um, learning and questioning, and mm -hmm. and it's true. But for men, mm -hmm. men go to study and they go to these special rooms, and that's all they do. Religious men, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's their work. 
the worship, if you like. And, and are we really... talking about Orthodox Judaism or just what I yes. would call it? Yeah, oh. it's Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox. So those who wear blacks and, you know, um, usually they don't also have a day job because the day job is to just study the mm -hmm. Old Testament and the rules, etc. Mm -hmm. And women are on a different level, right? You're not allowed to, to question anything. You're not allowed to to do anything that is outside of the dictated role you mm -hmm. have as a woman. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so, so for me, that's when, it was around high school, and that's when I started really um, understanding that I, and feeling that I don't belong to where I was. I didn't feel like I'm in the right place with my family or in my neighborhood, in my school. I went to religious school as well my whole life. So I always felt like I'm like an outsider, I guess is the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, and my parents called me a rebel. They said, you know, why can't you just do what we say? <laughs> why can't you just my own mind. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, exactly. So, mm. um, and I decided at some point that if I'm going to be religious or not, whatever it is I need to find my own answers like I wanted to find my own path to I still believed in God at the time I don't today not in the way that I was taught what is a God um but I decided I'm gonna find my own path and make my own rules and nobody can tell me what mm -hmm. to do what to believe in how to believe in how to practice whatever mm -hmm. um and and it it was a burden that really uh was lifted off my shoulders because by myself mm -hmm. because I the second I left home after finishing high school um after graduating I just let go of everything I decided you know this is not this is not for me so I didn't leave a I think I lost your connection it was a very confused period where, you know, I just had to find, navigate through the mm -hmm. world and find my own place. Did you have to do the Israeli military service? Um, I didn't have to, because when you're religious, you can declare that you're religious. And then mm -hmm. the military gives you, as a woman, you can, and mm -hmm. then you, you get like a pass. You don't have to, you can volunteer to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I did start the process. I was going to go, also mm -hmm. part of my rebel, and I was assigned to intelligence force or something. But um, I decided not to pursue that because because most of the time when you're female in the IDF in the military in Israel, you end up doing lots of admin work, and it didn't sound very appealing to me at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I instead volunteered in a hospital in a I don't know what it translates to. It's like internal department where it's very difficult cases of yeah. elderly. Okay. Um, so that was what I did instead. Yeah. Yeah. Social work, essentially, right? It's like social work. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Germany had this had the same similar principles. Yes. Yeah. So, so university was... then, did you go to the UK for university or was that somewhere else? No, no, in Israel. I was oh, in, in Israel. Israel until, yeah. I was in Israel for 30, 31 years. Of okay. My life. Okay. Um, I um I even got married actually when I was a uni. Yeah, I started uni, started mm -hmm. a degree, um, met my ex-husband. I was 25, got married, everyone was happy again in my family because of course uh you were married. part of yes. the yes. part of the program is to get married and have kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um so that was, um, yeah, so I got married and then after seven, eight years, uh, decided to divorce, mm -hmm. uh, which was another act of re rebellion. rebellion. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> a story like this is, is, is strange because it sounds like my whole life was, you know, serious of rebellious acts. Mm -hmm. Um I, Maybe see, it was. I see it more like an unfolding, like the peeling of the onion, right? That's You're trying to get it. to the core yeah. of who you are. And that yes. then is probably fueling your art today. Is that, does that yeah. sound like that's true? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to describe it. You're right, because it is through... Sorry, so I'm giving you a long answer to the question. That's okay. We have her. time. <laughs> um, Clearly, somebody needs to hear this story, or you just need to tell it, and both of those are okay. Yes. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yes, I guess because, because you're right. When I discovered my my real passion for art mm -hmm. um which was at a very young age but it was always um turned off I guess by myself or turned off because of my environment mm -hmm. um and it was only after moving here to Portugal that I actually felt so comfortable and at peace with myself with where I am um Leaving Israel was very was a big relief for me because mm -hmm. of how just culturally how Israel is um, is, is a great country but it's full of rules and mm -hmm. and religion is dominating everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I do have yeah. fantastic food though. I do have love the food, food in Israel. And <laughs> yes, and I'm vegan, so and now oh, wow. vegan there is insane. It's like yeah. heaven. Mm -hmm. um but there is also it's it's a hard life i think in israel because of the political tensions and mm -hmm. for me it was also where i grew up was uh on the coast mm -hmm. above gaza strip so my childhood and uh, my childhood really was a bit i think it was kind of surrounded with anxiety because of the missiles and everything um you know when i was I think nine or ten. There was the in ninety one. There was the Gulf War, and I remember carrying a box to school with those masks. I don't know if you remember them, those gas yeah. masks. Yeah. We had to carry this to school every day, um, and one day they let us decorate the box as if it's like a craft activity. It oh was just word. insane when I think about it. Of course. Um, wow, that's incredible. That's a whole different level. I mean, when children grow up in in these politically charged war zones, um, yes, yeah, certainly it's, not normal. It's not normal, and it feels. But when you live in in this environment, you feel like this is life. You don't know another reality. You don't know anything different, especially as exactly. a child or a young person. You typically don't have anything to compare it to. Yes, yeah. yeah, and then it feels normal, but uh, but it's not for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, where was I? Um, so yes, we were. <laughs> I mean, we we covered a lot of different areas of of yes. your background, which is fantastic. And essentially, you know, stemming from that, uh, uh, the drive of the no rules, and and um, mm. you know, re really creating your life from a. a place of invention and yeah. no rules and when I say yes. I say that meaning you can start from zero and create the life that you want so with exactly. that in mind you've decided to become an artist uh mm. not everybody who who wants to become an artist has to make it a living right some choose to just use it as a form of expression but you've chosen to pursue it as a career to build a, an art practice around it that is making money and giving, bringing opportunities into your world. So tell us a little bit how you're essentially creating that for yourself. Okay. But I didn't, it didn't start like that. It didn't start as a business idea. It didn't okay. start as, um, uh, you know, I didn't wake up and said, I want to be a professional artist. Okay. I did wake up saying, all right, I know what I'm going to do now because mm -hmm. uh, I've been searching, right? So mm -hmm. somebody, there was a mom in my son's school that um, as soon as we moved here, she started just chatting to me and saying, so what do you do? And she told me she was doing art. Hmm. And that was that second that she said it was for me um, like a pivotal moment I guess because I went home and it stayed with me and it also sparked something inside me because when she said it I told her oh I used to paint as well like and I have all these <laughs> art supplies I've been carrying around the world um so so I went back home and I it, it was quite interesting that it was just a random conversation but for me it awoke something that you know was asleep for such a long time and I took out this box I had 
um, of like art supplies I've been carrying around and I decided I'm going to paint again. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say again, my whole life I tried to kind of create figurative, realistic art mm-hmm. and I always threw it away um, because I was never happy with it. I don't know why I tried to do figurative it was so difficult maybe it's what you thought was expected right because we all have this uh this perception of um you know especially if if you don't have a lot of experience in abstract art or conceptual art yes you have to be able to paint realistically or um Mm. that's the only way that you can show a skill and that's not the case no you're right absolutely um and it's interesting what I tried to paint for years was just women mm. and I should have kept something but I never did I, I was always like finished painting look at it say oh it's crap and that's right away mm-hmm. um so then so when here I decided to go back to art I decided I'm going to do something different so I said I'm going to try abstract and I hadn't, I, I didn't know anything about abstract. I only knew, you know, I was familiar with some modern contemporary art that I saw, I was exposed to in London in museums. Um, but I decided to, so it wasn't really a career idea. It was something to to test and to see if I like it and if what, what it does for me. Mm-hmm. And the second I started, it felt like I just took a bunch of paint I started going through endless videos on YouTube of what is abstract and literally googling what is abstract art (laughs) Um, and how do you make abstract art and I started just going for it right I took a bunch of piece of paper and started creating art and it instantly just everything clicked into place I just felt Mm. I don't know I felt you feel yes yes like this this is what you should be doing you know mm-hmm. things it's like finding the last piece of a puzzle you know mm-hmm. you just put it in and that's it the that's picture right. is complete yeah it's very yeah. intuitive so um so that that was the moment that started everything for me um but I had lots so I was painting for fun and I felt like it was healing as well um it was you know my own my own time with my in solitude and creating things that I it were intuitive really and um it felt really good and I was so passionate about it I was I was obsessed with it like I would you know being a mom I didn't have much time to to create but when I did have time I would just read about art look at art paint uh, I would stay up late at night, even though I shouldn't have, because, you know, you wake up at seven with your human alarm. And <laughs> I would just look at uh, other artists and how they make art, etc. Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, the fact that it made me feel alive. And that's what I felt like I'm alive again. Told me that this was the right thing. This yeah. You're doing something right. And this is for you. And And like, I didn't think for a moment since and that was two years ago or so that I never looked back you know I never thought no I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna do that um so it was like a hobby for a while but then I that didn't feel enough when it was just that so I heard of Thai uh, by listening to some artists that were from his previous programs I just heard his name sure on Instagram or where sorry on Instagram or somewhere else? On Instagram, yeah. It was, I think, Merit and Cassia that you interviewed. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And they were just chatting on like a live or something. And they mentioned Ty's name numerous times. And and they, the, the things they said about him made me very curious about him. Yeah. So I started looking up who's Ty and what's his deal. <laughs> uh, so... I came across, um, so, I, so I, I did that and I saw his program and he was just announcing a new mentorship program. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was just at the beginning of the beginning, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking there's no way he's going to pick me. There's no way, like, what am I doing? You know, the self-doubt obviously was there yes. really loudly, but mm-hmm. I had a few paintings that I could show him mm-hmm. and I decided to 
the reason I looked looked for a mentor and looked at Thai specifically, I didn't look at other mentors actually, um, was that I had so many questions in my head about what I was doing and I couldn't find answers to them. Sounds similar now to the story I told you about. Yes. <laughs> I, I, find, um, I find that is the case. There's not often one person that can answer all the questions we have as artists, right? Some yeah. mentors or consultants or like myself, um, you know, we're really great at this one area. For, for example, I handle everything around the, the business side and the marketing side of the art practice, but don't yeah. ask me how to teach you how to make the art or find meaning right. or all the things that Ty does, I don't do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, I think it also, you know, we were all so uniquely put together that there, there is a right mentor for everybody out there. You just need to find the person yeah. that, with, that you click with really. So yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I was, uh, yeah, I was fortunate, right, to to come across this. Everything was those little moments that came together and um, mm -hmm. to hear about him and to find him and to decide, I decided to go for it because I, you know, because I have this mantra in life that I've learned a, a long time ago, which is what's the worst thing that could happen? And I always say that to myself when something um it scares me or if I'm hesitant about something I just remind myself what is the worst thing that could happen and mm -hmm. usually nothing really bad can happen exactly um, and something so, like coaching or mentorship it's a big investment into yourself and yeah. um, in my experience because I've I've invested a ton of money in different types of mentorship and, and courses mm -hmm. and, and coaching and it it doesn't just change the thing that you think you're going for, which might be like learning about how to make art or talk about art or uh, marketing art or building a website. It really also changes you. And and it, yeah. it's just like this holistic shift um, that yes. we go through at different stages of our life and our, and our creative um, expression as an artist. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. um... So, so okay, so I, you're in your is this the year one, let's call it, um, of making art yes. you worked with Ty? Roughly? Yeah, it was really I remember. So I started painting in July 2021. Mm -hmm. And I applied to the mentorship, I think in September. Oh wow. October, so no, October we started. So it was okay. yeah, really September. it was really quick. Just a few months. Yeah. So and and I got, he selected me, I got accepted to the program, which was, you know, wow, <laughs> one of the best <laughs> things of my life. And Ty, Ty, I think just saw, he saw something mm -hmm. in my, in me, in my story, because, mm -hmm. you know, you have to fill the application, of course, and, and tell what it is you want. Um, and that's when things took a turn for me, because I knew that also I'm investing in, something bigger than mm -hmm. this is my hobby and I'm only doing it for myself in my, you know, secret studio. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that what I did with Ty was really learn how to be an artist. He didn't teach me how to paint. He doesn't do that. Sure. But he, he taught us a lot about the psychology of being an artist mm -hmm. and how you overcome all the frustrations and obstacles Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of practical stuff that, he, of course, he's like a walking encyclopedia, right? For being right. an artist. So, oh yes, very. Generous. We're always information sharing back and forth when we yes. we get together. It's like we could talk for hours. So, yes, yes, I bet. Um, so it was very. So that was great that I found someone who can answer any question I had, but it was way beyond that. It was. I told this only to Ty, I think. So, but I can share this. Um, what the experience of the mentorship with him made me reflect on me as a child, mm. um, when I used to make art, and I used to. I have these memories, very vivid memories, of my dad sitting in front of the TV after a long day at work, 
-hmm. and I come and show my creation right and showing off and waiting for some feedback I want to get a compliment Mm -hmm. acknowledge acknowledge that I exist Mm -hmm. Um, and it would and I remember he was so absorbed in tv and his own life he would look maybe and say great and turn his head back Mm-hmm. And those were repeated those were moments that were so I think they crushed me really because of because I just needed someone to I um, to recognize that you know not someone I needed my dad to recognize yeah. that I'm there yeah. yes it's important that I'm showing like any child needs I think from their mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. and and time for me was like um, there's a thing in Judaism where we it's called correction I guess in translation where you you go through something an experience and a negative one usually and then something that happens in your life later on that is like the correction the correcting experience for that traumatic or something mm-hmm. uh, that happened to you and time for me was that correction because he didn't look Wonderful. away so know? now you can associate a more positive experience with a negative memory maybe or um I think I think what he did is because he believed in me then it it just helped me to believe in myself mm-hmm. really um I mean you know it doesn't fix the the relationship with my dad it doesn't fix things from the past but I think it fixes the um, the guilt and those I guess emotions I carry I've carried with me for years thinking I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. I felt like I was not good enough mm-hmm. um but yeah and today I know I'm I was and I am that's right so that's what it um, really did for me that's really powerful wow yeah so how has your art shifted in since you've been working with Ty to now? Because now we're about maybe a year and a half or two years since you've worked with Ty. Yeah, yeah like two years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost two years. Um, the the biggest thing I think so I've created now three collections. Um, the third one is coming out this weekend. Mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm really proud of like I didn't even know then at the time you know what's a body of work and all that stuff but I've learned quite quickly I think um, a lot of stuff from him and by myself and what I managed to do because of the program was to find my voice my current voice mm-hmm. um, I've learned how to run this as a business mm-hmm. And I think the biggest, most uh, important benefit of the program is that I learned how to um, to deal with the difficult times of being an artist, mm-hmm. and there are and there are plenty, as you yes. know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but having that mind, what Ty really told me is to have the mindset of an artist and. And there are many, many moments. Everyone, any artist knows that that you doubt yourself. You, you know, you're ready to throw the towel and say, "I'm a fraud. What am I doing? Who am I kidding?" Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It goes on and on. Um, but I don't, I don't have those moments. I have those moments where I feel, yeah, you know, you get frustrated with a painting. You get frustrated with a collection. You get frustrated with um nothing's working in the studio of mm-hmm. course that's normal but but I learned that it is part of being an artist and then when you know that it's coming mm-hmm. you're not shocked I remember the first time it happened and nothing came out and I, I was like on the phone with Ty you know <laughs> what's happening <laughs> I dried up <laughs> yes I don't know what I'm doing I can't paint anymore mm-hmm. um um, you know the world is like collapsing yeah um, it's really tough it's really tough to not have someone who can hold your hand and walk you through this and most artists I think don't they don't have this mentor to help them mm-hmm. um, 
And that's why having a community as an artist, I think, is so important, no matter if it's just a connection with other artists where you can champion each other or you can give, you know, uh, feedback, help in marketing or in the business side, if you have that skill or or just be there to listen or critique a piece. Exactly. And, uh, and because so much of being an artist uh, is a very lonely process. Even yeah. when you have a team to help you, let's say with, if you're producing multiple pieces, you can hand off a piece of the production to somebody else, or you have a marketer, or you have a social media person helping you, hopefully an accountant, um, mm. you know, yeah. all of those, <laughs> those pieces, yeah. uh, the, the ideation and creation processes still can be a very lonely process uh, for most artists I found. Yeah, yeah, it's very lonely. I mean, if you think about it, like artists are alone in the studio. Um, that's how you create. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can't have someone overlooking your shoulder and telling you, yes, that's good. Keep going. Yes. Um, well, um, you might have followed on my personal account that I recently worked on um, three sculptures um, with another yeah. artist friend who also was creating three sculptures for the same project. And honestly, most of the time we would try to work together at the same time. And that really has been a really mm -hmm. fun approach because we would uh, feedback on each other's pieces or sometimes because we're both, both working with metal, um, sometimes it was like, hey, can you help me lift this or turn this over because we were working with heavy things. And, right. and so I, I, her and I are very, similar in terms of our, our personality and we just got along really really well and we made a lot of decisions together about the compositions of the pieces the colors we chose because they had to go together and and mm. we were in sync on on wow. most of the the pretty much the whole aspect of the of the project so I was grateful to have an, an artist friend doing a project with me and we've certainly had conversations about could we potentially uh, look for other opportunities that we could do together. Um, and some some artists exist as art duos. You know, there's a number yeah. of artists where they work as a team of two. So yeah, so I can't imagine myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh no, because, no, no. It's great to hear it. And I I was thinking as you're telling the story of whether I could do that. Um, I kind of like I like the solitude in my. Mm. In my studio it's it's one of the um, you know those precious moments that I have uh, when I'm here alone and I guess it's it's just something I need and I think that's personal mm -hmm. um, I need to tune out and like you know close the door behind the world and just get and out yeah but yeah for the process and yeah. but I did I did meet um, Jacqueline, who's also yes. from the program. Yes, we've met. Uh, yes, so she was in a different session, but we connected quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And we're both like, you know, very much inspired by uh, nature. Mm -hmm. um, I think she reached out because she was about to start a program or she wanted to apply and she reached out with questions and we kind of bonded and and something inside me just wanted to collaborate with her and I said let's do something let's do something and she was the same and and we even thought about me you know one of us starting a painting then shipping it to the U.S. and then <laughs> other person works it back but that would like yeah. <laughs> too much logistics yes um and we kind of let the ideas cook in our head for a while and then one day I can't remember who we said let's do let's do like a podcast or live together Mm -hmm. um, to talk about art because we have been exchanging a lot of information between us and ideas and like helping each other supporting you know either sending her a picture of a painting and say I don't know should it be uh, landscape or portrait orientation or what do you think of this uh, business advice uh, you know marketing all that stuff yes so that was naturally happening between us mm -hmm. and then we thought why don't we help other artists as well and mm -hmm. maybe even collectors sometimes they have questions that we can address absolutely so, yeah so we started a uh, big baby we call it yes and it's, it's like this live we do it's not regular but we do it whenever we have um availability and a good topic that we want to really open up um so that's been great really to find someone who 
you know that we are on the same wavelength and we just mm -hmm. get each other mm -hmm. so i know you used to do them i think it was on a sunday uh, a live on instagram so have you were you able to put those in a series so if somebody was listening now could they come back to listen to those or um yes they are they're now in the middle of the week on wednesdays but they okay. are all saved on our on my instagram and on jacqueline's instagram on okay. our reels so they can find it okay you know, i will link to those uh, in the show notes for anybody who's listening right excellent yes. all right well in our last few minutes together i i want to yes. come back to the business side of your art practice and i know you you acknowledge that you are treating your practice like a business um i know a lot of artists uh, struggle to do that part, um, mm -hmm. maybe because they get overwhelmed with all the decisions and how to. There's lots of interesting advice out there on the internet, and it's so contextual depending on what your overall long-term strategy is and, and your goals. So I think um, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, how are you approaching your the business side of your art practice? I know you have a background in, in biz dev and marketing. How is that helped you what kind of hurdles have you faced all the juicy things oh <laughs> <laughs> that will take more than a few minutes mm. but um i'll try um so yes i have a background in marketing and business development do i feel like it helps me i guess so um i think one of the things i've realized when i started being, when i became an artist is that uh we i think we all carry with us a bun like a bag of skills and knowledge from whatever we did in our life before we became an artist mm -hmm. and it's always useful so i find ways to incorporate that into uh what i do today like even photography for me is is one of my earliest hobbies yes same. i've never sorry same, same. yes and, uh yeah, and it's great. And and when I started painting, I realized how the two overlap. Mm -hmm. And now it made photography so much more rich for me, mm -hmm. uh, for me and also the painting because I'm, you know, borrowing things from both worlds. Mm -hmm. um, I guess one of the most, the thing, one of the things that I struggled with a lot until recently was to compare my pros progress as an artist and and everything I do to other artists mm. and I think that's something that is quite common and my best advice on this would be to to stop which mm -hmm. I know is difficult yes but to that's try good life advice right because I, I think it's not just artists in the world yeah. of Instagram and this instant sharing ability we see the perfect result of something. We don't mm -hmm. often see the the journey, the process, the the difficult moments that you have been yes. sharing about. We don't get to see those on Instagram most of the time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, and many artists do right hide it or they're they're not ready to talk about it, etc. But but especially if those are artists that are selling and successful to whatever success means on Instagram anyway. Right. Um, it's difficult and it puts it puts other artists in a in a very tough position where first of all you think ah oh, this is what success looks like mm -hmm. and then you want it for yourself you don't actually know if this is what you need mm -hmm. um, and, and it's quite tough and it just puts us down so for me I learned to one use Instagram is a tool and really changed my mindset about what it is because I remember feeling like I was almost enslaved to Instagram and mm -hmm. feeling like and I know many artists share this you feel like you work for Instagram like are you you're responsible <laughs> for creating content for them yes for free. well that's because um, so many um people have learned that you be, are a content creator with Instagram yes. but you actually should be looking at it as a business strategy that has a off Instagram experience, i.e. driving traffic to your website and exactly. making a sale or getting on an email list. Like Instagram is just the, the, the crumb in the beginning, not the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just one of the tools, the many tools that everyone yeah. has yeah. uh, in their toolkit. So, so it's important to, I think, remind 
everyone should remind themselves where they are and and like your progress is your journey this is a long journey it's not something that you're doing for a month or even a year right if you want to be a professional artist so so just do it at your own pace decide what it is that you want to do and do it your way and that's it because like I said before there are no rules there are no rules (laughs) (laughs) that's so true because honestly um like I was sharing you offline before uh in some of the content I was creating around uh pricing your artwork uh you know there is no one exact formula that we can say do this and it will work every single time there are so many variables and depending on what your long-term aspirations are where you live and all the things in between um that will affect uh what's best for for you so I think it's important to kind of find what you uniquely want to create and then find a path to get there versus copying what somebody else is doing because it probably won't be a good fit exactly you're trying to be someone else you're trying to do something someone else is yes and I think it'll feel off too. If most, I mean, most artists I speak to are are fairly intuitive in the creation process, but also the the things they do on on the business and marketing side. And and I I can feel, uh, I will feel it in my body if something is not aligned correctly with yeah. what I was focusing on. And then sometimes I've invested it time and energy or even money into something I was like okay actually I'm stopping this because it's it's not what um it wasn't meant to be and I will redirect my energy on on something that is in alignment with my values with my aspirations and I always have a much better result yeah exactly that's so that's the other thing about being just who you are and and Mm -hmm. that's the only recipe for Mm -hmm. also for making good art exactly I, I was just thinking actually back to a moment in the sculpture studio where I had welded on all these pieces and I was like, it's just not right. And I sat there for mm-hmm. a long time and I was like, I really just need to cut this off and redo it. And I did. And I'm so yeah. glad I did because I was agonizing over the time lost that it would take. Right. I was like, this is going to take me so many more hours, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, but you know what? I was, I was, as soon as I made the decision to then just change it, I felt more confident about the piece. And I know my friend Morgan had the same experience in one of her pieces where um, she ended up having to change the direction of something. And uh, I think she was very glad with the change that she made. So it happens in artwork also. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Okay, in terms of uh, selling your work, I know that you are building collections. Is that how you're releasing your work, a collection at a time? And then... Mm. Uh, promoting it how do you promote it how do you look for sales yeah I work in collections um it just um I found it's also something from Thai that I've learned and it's it just helps me to focus on something I want to explore Mm -hmm. um so I release a collection I don't have a recipe for you know the schedule or when it will be ready or not Uh, right now I have this collection on paper that I've done and uh it's called submerse and it will be released on saturday um but what does happen occasionally is that between collections i do studies or just just like one of you know painting individual paintings i i do for myself and sometimes and because i share it on instagram Mm -hmm. uh, people in the past what happened they saw the in the, the work in progress and they wanted to buy it so that happened mm-hmm. but uh which i'm grateful for that it happened. but uh yes my the way i work now is in collections mm-hmm. so how do i promote it um i have um my website Mm-hmm. So that's where everything lives. I have a newsletter that I send to my uh, subscribers. Mm-hmm. And, and I use, of course, Instagram and Facebook as tools mm-hmm. to promote it. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram has been great once I realized, you know, mm-hmm. I can use it to get what I want. Mm-hmm. What about Pinterest or LinkedIn? I have accounts there, but I can't say that I have the capacity to invest so much 
in those as well mm-hmm. i think one of the things i've learned is because there and there are so many platforms um, absolutely and you have to find what works for you best mm-hmm. um but yes to explore linkedin and pinterest i do have work there that i've you know uploaded but i don't have the time to be honest to mm-hmm. go to all the different platforms and mm-hmm. share mm-hmm. that's fair i think if anything it's important to be consistent on the platform of your choice you don't have to do all of them uh so but having accounts on each platform is is healthy for for many reasons domain authority and just being visible on those networks is good. Even if you're not regularly posting content, you can always point back to either your main content or your website and it makes you more discoverable. So, and it's typically a free account. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. My LinkedIn, I had to change the whole thing because it had still my, uh, you know, renewable energy background and all that. Yes. So it's alive, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> wonderful well you never know somebody from that background might choose to purchase a painting yeah. from you in the future um and who knows they might have had a, a a career change and are now a gallery owner or an art dealer so you just oh, never yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> oh my word okay so um in our last real last few minutes together do you have a favorite book that you can recommend for other artists oh favorite book Yes. Can I show you? Yes, of course. For those who are watching us, uh, watching the video version of this, if and for everybody else, um, let's see what so, the book is. I'll hopefully can find a link for it and add it for you. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll show you two, actually. Uh, one is for reading. So that's from the program, the mentorship, uh, yes. which I always tell everyone is a must for any artist. It's okay. uh, Stephen Pressfield's. Yes. So you know it. The, the war, war of, the art of war, or the war of art. The war of art. Yes. 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 Uh, it's a must, must, must. So just read it. Yes. The other one I really like flicking through that I always have in my studio is this women uh, oh, of I'm... abstract expressionism. Okay, very cool. So yeah, it's full of amazing paintings and stories as well about uh, mm-hmm. the history of women in abstract, the abstract world. So yes. it's quite wonderful. That's really cool. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, um, so I live in Waco, Texas, and there's a university here called Baylor University, and they have a humongous uh, uh, resources in terms of books from all categories, surprising categories. I'm like, why would they have a book here from about this? (laughs) Um, But, um, and then also many, many years back. And so I, uh, I can walk in as a resident and um, just look at the the art books that they have, and they had so many uh, books uh, in all categories of art. And I, I you wow. saw me post uh, about the early days of art marketing, right? A hundred years ago, yes. you had to be listed uh, as an artist in these gallery uh, gallery listings, and they would publish a book every year. And literally, mm-hmm. all it was, and you can see this on my Instagram, was uh, the name of the artist, a, a short description of what they did, no pictures. And then yeah. at the very end of the book, which I found just very delightful, was um, the artist's signatures. And they had so many historical signatures. You saw um, uh, some oh, who made a Hebrew mark. And yes. uh, it, some of them are quite fun, but there's some famous ones in there and not so famous. And that was from like, I want to say 1927 to the 1950s or 70s. They had books for all wow. the years. It was incredible. So use your libraries, use your university yeah. libraries um, or museum shops have fantastic uh, art books that are just so delightful. Of course, I also love shopping at estate sales. I don't know if they have those in Portugal, but um, when somebody's passed away, they sell, most families right. sell the belongings. And so many times yeah. you find really incredible books and see what people have collected sometimes you can buy art too it's kind of fun good idea Um, yeah yeah so I love to do that there's quite a bit of that around here and then you know we can always find cool books at secondhand shops I'll have to learn Portuguese to read the obituary (laughs) well there might be either there might be English books there's lots of uh, living in Portugal yeah Oh, wow. Red, thank you so much for being on Artbiz Talk uh, and for sharing your your story. It was very personal, very emotional, and I'm so grateful that you got an opportunity to share 
Um, I love that you are kind of in my network of of friendly artists where a bunch of us yeah. know each other even when we don't live really close. So um, I'm going to pop in links uh, for your website and your Instagram. Is there any other place that people can find out about you and your work? Um, those are the main ones, the website and Instagram, yes. Okay, wonderful. Well, uh, congratulations uh, on this upcoming collection release. Thank uh, you. Fortunately, this podcast will go out afterwards, but it will be um unless it sells out in the first week yeah uh, people will be able to see your work on on both your website and your instagram or at least subscribe to her email list and uh, you'll be on uh, able to see future collection releases so thanks again for your time um, thank you so much it was a you're pleasure. welcome that's a wrap on this episode of art biz talk with vivid creative please consider subscribing and sharing our podcast with your art friends if you want to be interviewed on Art Biz Talk, please submit your application in the show notes.